Blog Talk Radio. Partners in crime in the queue with me, of course, uh, Ms. Lee Reed uh, here with us tonight. I believe we've got a uh, special appearance by our good friend, uh, Mr. Craig Moore. We're waiting on Taz Taylor uh, to join us this evening. So we're so glad to have y'all with us, of course. Uh, just glad to have y'all here tonight. <laughs> uh, got a lot to cover, a lot of news to get get past. Uh Kind of a boring weekend this past weekend for those who didn't uh, have a primary seat for the Southern Street Stock Nationals. Of course, uh, that's where we spent uh, most of our weekend. And uh, my, oh, my, what a mighty show it was. Hayden, the madman Moran, uh, led all 50 laps. But, man, I mean, that, that may seem like a boring race. It was by far a boring event. It's turned into a... You know, a staple race, a, a crown jewel, so to, so to speak, of the dirt track world. <laughs> we had 250-plus stock cars uh, show up between, you know, two classes, really. It's, you know, the factory stock, pure stock challenge, of course, that brings cars from all over using different rule packages, but they still have to stay within a certain range of things. Um, so, um, you know, that way you're not running something that uh, can obviously give you a better performance. Um, it's really crazy how you get into uh, certain things with race cars and how you can take something from here and add it there, and it kind of does the same thing. It just out to the same way. Um, you know, you, you want to slow a car down, you you put a harder tire on, right? I mean, you don't have to you don't have to put weight on a car. You just uh, you make them race a harder tire. 
and it'll slow down speeds considerably. Um, but now, you know, uh, that that's for the uh, engineering junkies, and that is something I've never claimed to be. But uh, you know, it's like I said, it's it's pretty much kept things even. Of course, uh, Tyler Davis uh, won the Pure Stock uh, Factory Stock Challenge race, uh, driver out of Portal, Georgia. So uh, Richland, Richland, Tennessee's very own Hayden Wren is the one that won on the street stock side. But man, it was amazing. I got to work next to uh, some new people, and uh, of course, I got broadcasted all across the United States uh, with Great Racing USA TV. It was just absolutely an amazing experience. And I don't know if y'all have heard it before, but uh, we've definitely uh, coined the phrase, I survived the Southern Street Stock Nationals. Well, I not only survived the Southern Street Stock Nationals this week, but now I'm battling COVID-19 as well. That's right, race fans. COVID-19 has struck me, and it has taken every bit out of me. But uh, I'm here. And I've got some uh, great help beside me tonight. And uh, they're going to ke- help me keep things rolling on. If I seem uh, a little bit uh, off, um, it's probably uh, lack of sleep. And, uh, you know, honestly, man, this COVID crap, it's, it's, whips, it's, it's a whipper. It is. It's a whipper tale. But uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else if I was – it's like last night. I hated I didn't do the interview because I was on the – I was on the uh, – I was on the fence listening to it the entire time, you know. It's what I love to do. So I said, well, there ain't no way in hell I'm missing tonight, even if I sound like shit. So uh, without further ado, that's my weekly rant, as Miss Lee would say. Um, speaking of Miss Lee, let's bring her on. And uh, I believe Craig Moore as well. Is that is that Taz? Uh, I think Craig Craig just said he has, he's got a call back in a few. Okay. So it may be Taz. Taz, is that you? Sure is, buddy. All right, all right. That's good. So, yeah, um, <laughs> here we are, another Tuesday night. Man, we can never do awesomeness in, in back-to-back shows. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I'm going to do everything I can to bring it here tonight. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about, of course. I think it was a boring-ass race. Um, I can't believe I wasted – well, I'm glad I only wasted an hour <laughs> – Hour forty eight minutes and fifty three seconds, <laughs> whatever. We'll have to have the day later on, but uh, at least we didn't waste too much time watching something that was not in any means entertaining. Um, why do road course races suck? Now that's a that's a question that we'll get into here later on. But first, let's go over what happened this weekend. Um, I guess uh, Will the Thrill uh, picks up the win. Um, kind of a uh, dominating race. I chose Kyle Larson, and I knew better when I did it. And of course, it bit me in the earth. Um, Rhinestone Cowboy and him get into it on the last lap, and it just messed me up even more. So now we have a tight race rolling into the last race of the season on the fantasy side between me and Taz Taylor. I was hoping to close the gap between me and uh, Mr. CJ Sports, Jason McMillan, but uh, you know, that's just not the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, Miss Lee, unfortunately, is already out of the race, but I, I, I feel like – well, who did you pick, Miss Lee? I don't even – I don't think I got picked in this week. Did I, Taz? Uh, no, you did not, unfortunately. So we got to fix that. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's definitely an amendment that I would like to make uh, uh, next year on being able to submit picks even even in a later time or even if you're only going to get half points for it. 
But, um, you know, uh, that was on the Xfinity side. I think there was a little bit of I, – I never watched the Xfinity race course, and my hands were tied throughout the weekend, as I said before. I'm not sure who did catch it. I, I did catch the highlight reel, and uh, um, I got to see uh, uh, Ty Gibbs get spun out. Uh, Sam Mayer wins the second race. Um, yeah, breakout, is it his breakout? You know, I'm not sure. He's got a fast race car up underneath him. Um, but uh, anytime you spin out Ty Gibbs, I guess uh, I guess we could say that's a good race. Now, what is very odd about this, and, and, and you know, I think he, this is where you guys can pick up here. Um, last week they had a poll for the race, and 70% of the people said it was good. Uh, Michael McDowell beat out Chase Elliott, of course, at Indy. Watkins Glen is typically like everybody's favorite road course. Uh, a Debbie Downer, a disappointment. I, I'm not sure what to call it this weekend, but he, most fans agreed that it was a lame duck race. Miss Lee, how would you like to start this uh, opening session tonight as we talk about has road course racing ran its course? <laughs> Um, has it has it become lame? And what can we do to possibly fix it? We'll ask the what can we do to fix it later on, but let's start out with this, Ms. Lee. All right. Well, you guys know I'm a I'm a big road course fan. Um, my closest local track is Mid Ohio, which is a road course, and Xfinity runs there or has run there in the past. Trucks run there now. Arca's been running there. Um, you know, so that that that's I I guess you could say it's my first true love, but yeah, Watkins Glen sucked this weekend. Both races, all three races, I should say. Well, now the, the actually the Arca race was was did have a little bit of excitement, but um, I didn't catch the full races, the uh, Xfinity and Cup. Um, I've been working crazy hours, but. Um, yeah, it just, it was not what I expected in the least. Indy was exciting. And Watkins Glen was just a, a, a huge disappointment. And and it's not usually that bad of a race there. Right. But, you know, for whatever right, reason, no. you know, the guys were complaining. They, they just They just couldn't pass. If you notice, and I did, I watched because, you know, this is not, of course, you know, we're two years in now on the new car, and I watched the lap times, and most of the time, you're seeing movement like, oh, he'll, he'll, he took a half a second off that lap or, or something to that nature. You can see as people are falling or rising on, on the uh, charts, you know, um, through, through times and, of course, intervals after each lap. One thing that I noticed was times were staying the same every lap. If you were two seconds off, you would make a lap, and you're still 2.3 seconds off. You know, and that never changed throughout most of the race. And, you know, I, I, honestly, I heard that uh, a certain car driver, uh, maybe Chase Briscoe, I think, actually raced the entire race with the same left-side tires. Um, if that's the truth, then, you know, maybe we just didn't have proper tire fall off. Um, somebody made a suggestion as well. 
with the stage racing, Miss Lee. That you know, let's let's rearrange the stages that way. Even though we don't have a caution for the stages, it still gives uh, the driver the opportunity to play with the stages and pit versus stay out, and that will create more strategy. And I and I thought that that was a great idea, but that's only a simplistic uh, um, resolution to the problem. I think the big problem is this race car has no y'all. And stock cars right. are all about being loose and uncontrollable, and this car is quite the opposite. It's right. straight, and that and, and that was hard to and, and that was my question was was it the tire package, or is it the car? Because it's got to I mean, be one or the we, other. If we had seen a decent road course race all year long, I would like to blame it on something else. Um, of course, different tracks, you're going to have different tire wear. I'm not sure that we showed up at every single one of these road course races with the same tire. Um, but if we did, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we did, so to speak. But at the same time, it, it, it is an issue. It's not the drivers. It's definitely not the drivers. And whoever thought good racing would be a 20-second gap between first and 10? I think, I, I think above all, Taz Taylor, let's bring you in. I, I think I, I'm the one that... I'm pretty sure NASCAR dumbass or dumbass or NASCAR dumbass. I'm pretty sure that I said, what are we going to do when these cars get, you know, all over the racetrack and there's no stage uh, breaks to close them back up? Taz, what, what are your thoughts? And this is where it can be in your sense, Chris, of like you like the stage racing where the true stage race, racing, I should say, not this. Um, alternative stage racing, I guess, that you're that we're basically going through on the road courses. I think with your concern on that is you want the field bunched up and stuff like that, which in road courses, in a certain set, sense, you know, I'd be, you know, I'd be okay with. But again, we're hitting on the whole stage or not to stage deal that we hit upon last week, and we've already felt our opinions on it. Now to stage at this point. I feel like it could have been useful uh, for Watkins Glen, um, but you, I don't know if it was drivers playing a little on the conservative side of things this week, being that, um, it, being that you have Daytona next week in the regular season. And you have one more road course race that is a playoff race in Charlotte Roval. Or do we sit here and say, is it the is it the road course package that's on these cars, or is it the cars themselves? There's a lot of questions. I don't. I mean, yeah, we can throw the stages into there too, as you mentioned. I just. There's a lot of variables. I'm not sure what it was, but, yeah, Watkins Glen was a snoozer. I didn't catch the Xfinity race or the cup race live, but I watched the highlight reel of the cup race, and literally from what I saw, there was a good uh, few moments in stage one where I thought it was an entertaining race, and I was trying to figure out why people said this race kind of sucked. Stage two, they didn't really show anything other than William Byron crossing the finish start finish line. That was all stage two. I was like, Oh, 
Well, I get, good thing I didn't miss much of freaking anything. And stage three, I mean, unless you got in a, um, I believe it was the Chase Elliott incident where he ran out of gas. Um, yeah, Larson that was the only caution Austin. throughout the entire race. And Larson and Austin Imagine Dillon that. getting Chase into Elliott it for the final lap. The caution. Sorry. Yeah, it was. It was not the Watkins Glen that we've all known, and it could be the it could be the lack of the stage caution. It could be the arrow package, the road course arrow package or setup package, whatever they call it, um, could have been off on this one. I mean, Chicago street course put on a put on a show. I thought. Um, Indy put on a show, which is weird because normally you normally we're, put, was we're smash we're, normally we smash Indy, no matter if it's a road course or an oval. And here we are, we're praising it over Watkins Glen. <laughs> the only reason why that race was even praised at all is because Chase Elliott got beat, and Michael McDowell, Cinderella story, won that race. Outside of that, that race was just as crappy as any of the other road course races this year, if not just, if not as crappy, more crappy. There was, there was I obviously liked certain see, variables with, within Indy that I made it liked, more appeasing. I would have liked to see the stage cautions come out in this race, but um, it obviously showed that without them, there couldn't be there could be a snooze fest if you're looking for if you're looking at it from an entertainment aspect. Uh the only and of course I believe that this kind of showed that the drivers that are kind of you know used to this to the true stage racing um obviously relied on it and a little heavily. I believe, anyways. Yeah, and that's a good valid point, Taz. Um, my question to all of this is, we've been racing at Watkins Glen for a very, very long time. Did we decrease the laps? Uh, I mean, we obviously had our best, our, our quickest finishing race since 1971. Um, you know, we... We raced at Watkins Glen for decades before we ever had staged racing. We had we had wrecks, we had good racing, we had entertainment, and this car just seems to lack any thereof. Um, and and there's no explanation how we went from having a great road course racing, great short track racing, crappy freaking oval racing, to the exact opposite now, great oval racing horrible short track and road course racing. And I think a lot of that has to do with Cass and Miss Lee. I think a lot of it has to do with how this car is designed and how this car drives versus what drivers were originally used to. These these cars, I'm sure Richard Petty would win 600 races if he were to race this car because it's, 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 it's designed to bring comfort to the driver. It's no no skill in driving this car. Uh, you can't even yaw it out. You can't drive it out of control. Um, there is no 
thin line between out of control and fast. Uh, there is fast and spin. There is not. There's not that thin line. I think we've seen that with some of the best drivers uh, trying to find that edge. There is no edge to this car because this car is not designed to to incorporate that type of edge. We have finally moved away from the stock car generation, and now we're in sports car racing. And you know, if that's the kind of racing you want, go watch IMSA. Go watch Formula One. If I were right. to take the words of Brett Griffin. <laughs> Or you can, uh, was, or you can watch some uh, Nitro Rallycross. There you go, there you go, Miss Lee. What are your thoughts on this so far? Well, you know, I mean, the whole idea behind this car was to give some parity to teams, both financially and edgewise. And with NASCAR booming down the penalties on any variations, the teams aren't able to be as creative as they could be in the past. They can't make a whole lot of changes. So it does, I mean, you know, it it evens the playing field but has it even the playing field to the point where we're getting crappy racing? Yeah. Yeah. There's nobody trying to drive extreme over the limits, trying to get the most out of their race car. They can only drive it to a certain point, and you look in the field, and everybody else has that same advantage. It's no fluke that Michael McDowell will come out and ran with as little bit of uh, – uh, marketing availability with as little bit of funds as possible, come out and ran all over super teams. And that's good. We wanted that type of parity. But we need something within this car that will create a fall-off. And that strategy is whether or not you want to have that fall-off and be consistent or whether or not you want to drive the shit out of it and and make it you know, kind of similar to the way the old car was. You come in and get some fresh tires and drive like hell through the through the front of the pack. I just, you know, and it's going to take a minute, I think, uh, to uh, to find that competitive edge by these teams uh, to fix this car. Man. Well, and like you mentioned earlier, Chris, when you were talking about the uh, Super Series, you know, Let's look at the tire packages. Can we make changes to that that can impact the quality of the racing? You know, I I, I don't know how much difference that would make, it, but, but that's something to look at. If your car lasts 36 laps and I need a tire that falls off after lap 23, right? Because then all of a sudden you're deciding whether or not you need to go get tires or stay out and just try to hold on to it, right? That's what creates that, – that's, that's what creates all this. That's what creates the drama of strategy and all. It's when you have something that you – that it's not a lot of, right? Something that you can't consume a lot. So, um, you know, it turns – strategies come from trying to make the best with the, with the little of something, right? Um, if 
a tire fell off, and I'm not saying destroy it after 10 or 12 laps. I'm saying a, a, a tire that will considerably fall off midway through your through your fuel span. Like, right, uh, you know? And maybe then we'll have guys who try to overdrive it, try to stay on, or guys who are like, you know, we'll go to the pits and put some fresh stickers on this thing. Yeah, and I, I don't think I heard but one mention in the in the little bit of the cup race that I watched. Um, there was one mention that someone had a tire that blistered, um, and, and and that was all I heard as far as tires and and tire wear. Correct. Yeah, like I said, I think but Chase Briscoe raced uh the entire race with the left uh with the same left rear tire. Um as Taylor, do you have any closing thoughts on what we've discussed here and maybe uh an arrangement on how to fix I mean we always talk about the problem. Fix the problem. Well, first things first, Chris, I'm gonna let you know Craig is in the queue waiting to be unmuted if you wanna get his thoughts before we close it out. Okay, buddy. I don't know if you're going to fix this car. I mean, unless you design a whole other car. And we all seen how long that freaking took NASCAR to do. I mean, I get 2020 was a, you know, with COVID and all things, was a shit show. But I don't know. I don't know if they're going to fix it. I don't think they want to fix it. This car, as Lee said, was designed to make every team have an even playing field, and there are no gray areas with this car. If you get caught screwing around, you're going to get penalized. Unless you're one of the top-tier teams and you only get your hands back a little bit. (laughs) Hendrick, sorry. (laughs) So, I mean... I kind of, you know what, I put in the chat, too, that I, I really like the, I miss the racing with no stage breaks. And my father and I, we were all watching two weeks ago, and Dad goes, now they ain't stopping for this caution, this caution thing. And he goes, but they usually do after so many laps. I said, yeah, so they're not doing it on the road course. Well, if they don't do it on the road courses, why do they do it on the oval tracks? And I thought to myself, I don't really have – what's that? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Why make it confusing to the the fan that's not a fanatic, right? You you just made it confusing to somebody who just took a time out of their day to watch a race. Now they don't even understand the reason, and they won't come back to it. That's a perfect example, Craig. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, I mean, I get aggravated with it because I'm like, man, I really like this this racing like we used to do. And we only stopped when there was a caution. We didn't take, you know, preferential potty breaks, if you will, every 120 laps so they can come in and get fresh tires. They did it when they were needed, not at, at designated, almost designated times. And then when my dad said that, I was like, you know what, Dad? That's the first thing that you've said in about two weeks. It makes logical sense. And then he 
Then he was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, Dad, you hit the nail on the head. If they don't do it at oval courses, if they don't do it at oval tracks, why do they do it road courses? I don't know. I'll try to find out the answer. So, because because NASCAR listens to whiny-ass fans that say, oh, you don't do it like this, or you don't do it like that. Well, we're getting what we paid for. I never agreed with taking the stage breaks away from the road courses. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And here we are, 25-second difference between first and, and 12th place. It's absolutely ludicrous that we can even debate the fact that this was a decent race. Yeah. But that's all I got on it. I uh, I, I just think it's, I think it's, you know, the NASCAR's got to do something to make these cars uh, and races less boring. We sit and watch them, and it's pretty much like follow the friggin' leader. It's like ring around the rosy. I know how you fix the car. Give me a hammer. I'll smash, or smash every one of them and send them out there. Last man standing no,
I think it was a press conference he did or an interview um, stating that a lot of his contract with JGR falls into a lot with 2311 Racing. And it's more so on the Toyota side versus the JGR side. Um, If Hamlin can renew with JGR and Toyota, then he's good with 2311. Should he not, should he and Gibbs separate, chances are he may be, he may end up leaving Toyota and it's looking like he can go on the Ford route. In terms of Stuart Haas possibly selling two charters, this is, that's news to me. I didn't hear anything about it until today. Um, And I haven't really cycled my full thoughts through on that. We'll we'll hold up on the Stuart Haas stuff here just a little bit. It was actually Lee Spencer that covered it uh, through PREN. But like I said, that's more on the other side of the question, and we'll get to that here in just a second with the implications of uh, basically the news that Denny Hamlin may be uh, going to Ford. Miss um, Lee, I think you're ready. Well, the million-dollar question is what's going to happen with FedEx? You know, if... if um, if Denny leaves JGR, will FedEx go with him, or will FedEx get out of racing? That's my takeaway. As I've heard before, Denny said that he would stay with JGR and FedEx as long as FedEx wanted to be a part of it. We heard at the beginning of the year that FedEx was making some layoffs and uh, was possibly looking at a different business model. So, this kind of, you know, coincides with everything. As I said, it seems to be a repeat, page two, of the Kurt Busch saga from last year. Who remember or had a truck series team that was Right, right. And, and remember, he was tied in with his truck series team through JGR, through TRD. That's pretty big news on Denny Hamlin could possibly be, be, be leaving the 11 or JGR. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I, I do believe that they have gone to Ford uh, to get leverage with Toyota. Of course, you know, uh, best way to get a raise is go get another job and say, hey, I'd really like to stay here, you know. Um, sometimes that works. Other times they give you the, the do not pass go symbol, you know, they they, they they send you on down the street and say you don't have to fill out your two-week notice. Um, that can happen, too. And I feel like kind of, in a way, uh, that's where Joe Gibbs Racing really seen this with Denny Hamlin, that Denny Hamlin was paving his way to leave JGR, and you know, in a way, uh, it, it shouldn't be any bittersweet feelings or whatever, because JGR has now decided to move on. I, I just don't think I'm ready to be there yet. This is actually, it's kind of crazy news um, that has come out. I mean, this was not something that I expected. Um, could it possibly just be a rouse to uh, get all the signatures signed in the right areas? I guess so. 
but when you have another team like Stuart Haas and the news comes out that they could possibly be uh, selling uh, some uh, charters because they're no longer under contract with Ford, then that obviously means that Ford OEM uh, is out searching for its replacement of its next super team, right? Um, the one thing that Ford wants to do is they want to keep as many cars in the stable as they can. And I know this sounds crazy and out there, but I wouldn't be surprised to know or see a merger or a corporation buy-in with possibly maybe a junior motorsports buying into Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, hey, I got a fever right now, but uh, I ain't so crazy as y'all think I am. Well, but Junior's juniors already talked about wanting to go cup racing. So, I mean, as far as team goes. So that's not so out there necessarily. It definitely sounds like Stuart Haas Racing is looking for some partners if they're really willing to advertise that they may be willing to sell two charters. Because, of course, those two charters would probably be Stuart's, right? The other two is held by none other than... Gene Haas, who has all the money right. in the world, and, and would be the one trying to get out. And Tony has obviously turned his attention to NHRA racing with him and Leah. You know, so that makes sense. Greg, you want to hit on this? Yeah, I just think that's the first I've heard about Ford. But, you know, that would be interesting to see how it plays out. I I don't know. I don't know if he'd want to leave. And, oh, getting on the talk, going backwards for a second. You mentioned about FedEx. I think if FedEx leaves, you're definitely going to see Denny leave. Or if Denny decides to leave, FedEx might say, you know what? We're Team Denny. We're not Team JGR. And we're going to go where Denny goes. And I think if that happens, boy, the garage will be buzzing with excitement. I mean, you I'm know, interested Craig- in what you know, Craig, I know it's been rare this year that you and I have been on the same page more than ever because we usually butt heads, but I am on agreement with you on that one. Man, <laughs> holy shit, Batman. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the reason why I say that is because of the fact that when we saw Hamlin run with SRX, uh, we all – I would have thought – just like Kyle Busch ran with the Florida Panthers, like I thought Kyle Busch would have brought in a sponsor of his own, and he didn't, which I was shocked. Hamlin comes in to run SRX, and who did he bring? He brought FedEx. So with Craig bringing that on, I'm glad he, you said that, Craig. We're on the same page. Oh, God. That's kind of scary. Um, I might have COVID-19 if I'm agreeing, if Taz is agreeing with me, or he might have it. But I, I just I think FedEx is more Denny than they are JGR. And to bring up your point, 
to agree with you, Taz, yeah. And the senior racing experience, <laughs> I know, y'all miss that. Um, he did have FedEx, so that just that just solidifies it.
a lot of businesses are getting away from that. Yes, you can get them to sponsor for X amount of races, but they're not going to sponsor an entire season. And NASCAR and Joe Gibbs Racing in particular need to go with that. It's, I don't know, racing's changed a lot over the years, but so has business. And if you want to stay competitive and you want to get your your team sponsored, your drivers sponsored, you've got to change the time. Uh, just in breaking news, catchfence.com is saying that via Lee Spencer, Smithfield Bacon has announced it will not return to Stuart Haas Racing in 2024, which likely will lead to the retirement of veteran driver Eric Amarola. Now, that's big, wow. and that's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> that's that's big. Yeah, silly season has just begun. <laughs> All right, anybody else want to cover this? I mean, there's a whole lot in this. I feel like this is kind of our silly season topic, even though – uh, we bounced around from Denny Hamlin, Stuart Haas. Now, I mean, is it making more sense that maybe Stuart Haas is uh, shopping around for potential uh, mergers, buyers? Um, has the Ford car team model outlived itself? Are teams seeing resources over at RFK working as well as they are because they don't have an overload of employees. They don't have an overload of engineers. They don't have an overload of cars that they're trying to get out of the shop every week. Um, Because in reality, they really still do have that work. It's just been sourced out, right? So they're making money off of that from the other teams who don't have those shops. And what I mean by that is like, you know, Rick Ware Racing. Those Those cars come out the same shop as RFK Racing cars do. But uh, it's a, it's kind of a buy-in factor, and uh, so they're being paid by our RWR Rick Ware Racing uh, to put these cars together and have them set up because they don't have the uh, the ability to do it themselves. Um, so could we see a potential? I mean, like now, I feel more than ever you could possibly see Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, Either com- Stewart completely become non-existent in the name Haas Racing, or uh, potential buy-in from I would, you know, the most eager car owner out there that that's looking to get in the Cup Series is obviously Dale Jr. Uh, it's been relevant over the last three years that they've wanted to get to Cup Racing, but they just ha- you know, haven't gone in and bought a charter. Now I'm hearing that these charters could be worth thirty to fifty million dollars now. Uh, quite far from the overpayment of $23 million, I believe it was, that we heard. And once again, it has to stir Ron Devine up, knowing that he tried to tell the court system in his bankruptcy court that they were literally taking away the one thing that he could use to pay his debt off, and that was the charter from his race team. That none other than Front Row Motorsports bought for like a million dollars. So, um, yeah, a lot to cover there. Uh, I want to know your thoughts. Let's start with you, Taz Taylor, before we go to the next subject. Well, if 
if this is really true, and the only reason why I'm saying this is because I was checking to see if maybe Bob Pockers or uh, Adam Stern um, have officially put it out there yet. Um, not saying what you're reading is wrong, Chris. But obviously, if that is really true, then we have to really look at it. Um, but if it's really true, then I do see Eric Almarola, um uh, retiring in terms of in terms of him maybe um, in terms of Stuart Haas in this case as we mentioned earlier this is where the ties of selling charters and stuff can come into play if unless Stuart has a driver lined up to replace Almarola with full confidence, ready to go. I could see Stuart Haas maybe, you know, selling that number 10 charter. And if Denny Hamlin goes down the route, goes down the four route, there's a charter for him. But the other question does remain, if Stuart Haas sells that charter, they go down to a three-charter, three-car team, does this open the door for track for track house? And the reason why I say this is because if track house wants to pull the college racing deal when they first went into cup racing, which is basically have a full time chartered car, but you put multiple drivers in there, track house could try to Feel the deal on trying to get Shane Van Gisbergen to run on a part-time schedule while Trackhouse maybe can scout some drivers or whatnot in case if Suarez or Chastain, you know, have their contracts expire or not renew with Trackhouse and they pick up somebody else along the way. Just as an FYI, I only read the headline. I did not read the article, but um, Adam Stern had something on on his Twitter page uh, about um, uh, Van Ginsbergen not looking at a full-time NASCAR ride until – 2024 just to get him more experience on asphalt oval etc just throwing that out there yeah i don't i don't see svg running full-time i know jared in our chat a couple times has mentioned svg doesn't want to run full-time which i mean in terms of full-time cup racing, I mean, I get it, you know. Um, if I were SPG, I would start in either trucks or Xfinity just to get a more of a warm-up feel if he wants a full-time ride and then use Trackhouse Project 91 as, like, um, his seat warmer kind of feel when he's ready to move up. He's got that deal. But, again, I see it as I see it this way: if 
this Smithfield deal is really true. I see Eric Amarola retiring, which could lead to the possibility of Stuart Haas selling that charter, and Trackhouse could possibly buy it. I went on on um, Lee Spencer's Twitter, and there's nothing that I can see about this deal. But she does write for Catch Fence, so maybe she put it there first. Let's see if you have, if. if uh... We'll see if that news is real or not later on, I guess, as uh, time goes on. Of course, uh, you know, it's uh, been reported already earlier today on PRN by what Lee Spencer brought to the table. So I have a feeling that she has uh, in-depth, you know, unless somebody's just making news up or whatever. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Let's go to Race to the Chase, Daytona Wild Card. Well, do, Wallace do, uh, with that six-week spot, a lot of drivers on the outside looking in. Things could get a little bit hairy. And that's why I'm surprised Watkins Glen was so chick, so tame. Because you know, we're at the end of the regular season here. People are fighting for positions. So, you know, what the heck went wrong there, which we already discussed. But, yes, Daytona's a wild card. It's a crapshoot. You know, everybody's got their their favorite. But could we see another first-time winner here? Or do that we brings see... Up a good- that brings up a good point there because we already know two drivers are guaranteed on points, which is obviously Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski. There is that possibility that drivers need to realize that if you haven't won this year, here's your golden ticket, especially for those who have not won a cup race yet. And there's guys like Corey LaJoy that can sneak in there. Um, can't say Justin Healy. I'm trying to think of somebody else. Um, and I hate to see this wild card thrown in there, but that it could happen. Ty Dillon, I don't think he's won a cup race to my knowledge. So, like, there's two Spire drivers. Um... Anybody else? Any other names I'm missing that haven't won a cup race? Yeah, whoever's in one of the Rick Ware cars, right? I mean, anybody can win. I think that's where <laughs> yeah. that's really missing the crate here. Uh, we go to Phoenix for our uh, supposed championship race, but yet there's a competitive advantage for certain teams at certain tracks unless you go to a super speedway. Uh, in the uh, what we used to call the uh, the restrictor plate tracks, but they're not restrictor plates anymore. It seems to be that our real championship would actually come out of Daytona uh, this weekend because I mean, look at the variables. It's anybody's it's anybody's race to win. If we went into Daytona uh, as our last race of the season, 
imagine what type of storylines we would roll into. Imagine it would be just a, a survival to the finish. Nonetheless, if two of the cars running for the championship was first and second going into the final corner at Daytona, you can only imagine what would happen there. Um, the storylines that that we could hit on for this week are great uh, theories and ideas of how uh, amazing it would be if NASCAR ended the year in their Super Bowl fashion as they say they start the season. I don't have any problem with starting and ending the year at Daytona. I have no issue with that at all. Um, obviously, this race is going to be anybody's to win. And, yeah, sure, we can have a first-time winner. Um, there's the, you know, you just pick any name out of the field. I think J.J. Yaley still uh, is on his first-time win. But, uh, you know, um, what are the chances that Chase Elliott gets this win, right? Probably not what about very Ryan good Freed? because nobody's going to allow Chase Elliott to win. And that's kind of what's funny about the whole super speedway racing and how I think it would be dynamic uh, if we were to go to a place like this for our Final Four championship. I mean, there's Ryan Priest and Ty Gibbs, who I just somehow remember that they can get their first cup win and get into the playoffs. NASCAR better give uh, Bubba that big-time restrictor plate because uh, uh, he's the one that's uh, – Never made the uh, chase, though he has two career wins. Isn't that something? Two career wins, never made the chase? There's a lot of interesting storylines for this weekend. That's That's for damn sure. First time winner, um... Someone can play spoiler. There could be a third driver getting in on points, and God only knows who that could be because should there be a repeat winner this weekend, and I'm not saying that there will be, but I don't – again, I don't want to give away where I'm going with this in terms of my pick because I don't even know what my pick is yet. I'm still up in the air. But should there be – a third driver getting in on points. At the moment, Bubba Wallace sits 32 points ahead. But in all realistically, if you want to throw in points that can catch Bubba Wallace, Ty Gibbs and Daniel Suarez are right there. Should a repeat winner come in to play? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to throw Austin Dillon in there as well, you know. I mean, all these guys, they don't have nothing to lose. A.J. Allmendinger, these guys can go for broke. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse, of course, you know, he's going to want uh, – I mean, look how far up in that grade he would move if he were to capitalize and get a second win before going into the chase. I mean, that moves you that moves you God, in a considerable he, amount of difference. He would, he would set the place on fire because after – what was that? After the first, like, three or four races, we didn't see much or hear anything about Stenhouse for the rest of the season. Like, we literally thought JTG was a easy top 15, top 10 contender for the first few races after they won the 500, and after that, we haven't heard anything about him. We haven't even talked about him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think mean, I say it's the perfect wild card, Misley. I think Ty Gibbs and Suarez have a better chance winning this race than Bubba does. I'm going there. Wow. Well, I mean, hey, there is team orders in effect. There could be team orders in effect, but the only problem with Trackhouse is that they have to rely on their allies. Right. Where Ty Gibbs, he's got three teammates guaranteed. So what I want yeah, to know I don't see is Hamlin helping Ty Gibbs make the chase over over Bubba Wallace. That's for sure. I oh, think anyway. That's no. where all this all, all this is screwed up to begin with. Um, you know, well, what I, mean, I want to know is who's who's going to take Chase out? Because obviously nobody wants him to win. Yeah, I don't I don't know if anybody will take him out, Miss Lee, but I don't think anybody's going to work with him. And he may have the fastest car all weekend and said right out there, you know. Uh, we've seen Hendrick uh, get away with shit before. Um, this could be the weekend where everybody turns the blind eye and Chase goes out there and sits on the pole and, you know, dominates. You know, the one way to most of the time win these things is staying within that top three positions, you know. If Chase can go out there and he can stay in the top three throughout the whole day, then the likelihood of him finishing the race and getting a win is, you know, a lot better. Uh, you can you can know that the being in the front going into the last lap is probably not the best place to be, so you set yourself up to be in that second or third spot. Um, but it'd you know. be funny to see it'd be funny to see Bowman win and Chase finish second or whatever. Yeah, so is there an implication that this has with the points, owner points championship? Obviously, Josh Berry spent a lot of time uh, in that car um, with, I guess, some pretty decent runs. Um, does that Are we going to have a jacked-up chase again this year where owner's chase is different than the driver's chase? Uh, yes, because um, Hamlin said that I remember Hamlin saying on his podcast, I don't remember, I I know it was very recently, he said that Bubba Wallace can get into the playoffs on the driver's side, but he can't get in on the owner's side. I'm not fully sure how that even comes into play because the only non- um, the only non-full-time driver that's won a race is Van Gisbergen. But, again, I'm confused on that part. Unless there's points somewhere that I'm missing. Right. I mean, there may be a 35-point better deficit, right? And so that's what Bubble would have to make up. Yeah, I know Hamlin said oh. Hamlin said that on the owner's side Bubba's out but if he but he can get in on the driver's side. So I don't know, it's a weird thing. I 
I didn't catch the full thing. I wish I did too, so I can explain it better. But Miss Lee. I don't have nothing more on that one. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, the chase is wide open for that uh, wild card spot. Still, anybody's to win. Um, you know, there's a, obviously Austin Sendrick, uh, a guy who's had his um, plate, well, a super speedway win in his career. You said Justin Haley. Um, you know, he's a, he's another guy that has uh, the potential to win at a super speedway. Eric Amarola is a very good super speedway racer. Um, you know, Brian Priest, being that he's a modified driver and whatnot, most of the time that carries over. You know, Priest is one that uh, very well could uh, have a pretty fast race car coming into uh, this weekend. Um, I'm trying to think who else. You know, Daniel Suarez, I guess. Um uh, I get even, but you know, so many times we look at these uh, super speedway races and realize, you know, you've got to be able to work with people in order to get to the front. And, well, uh, the other thing I want, the other thing we haven't talked about either that could be a wild card too. I mentioned earlier Harvick and Keselowski are in the playoffs based on points, but what if one of those two end up winning? Yeah, they have nothing. They have – there's the wild card of Harvick and Keselowski who are guaranteed on points who want to get that win. Right. And that could throw a wild card into things too. So definitely put that 16th spot up for grabs. Um, If Bob Wallace doesn't uh, have a decent race. So, I feel like we're really struggling here tonight, um, and I'm sorry about that. I'm probably so Bubba, not at my so best. Bubba needs, Bubba needs to quit being such a whiner. He's going to have confidence in himself. I don't know why at this point in your career you're not – I mean, he's been in the – Somebody correct me here, but he's been in the Cup Series for less amount of time than Ryan Blaney has. And Blaney's been used to winning one race a season, and then last year he goes winless. This year, he was up, he's been a front runner, but never winning the race. And Blaney literally said to himself when he finally won at the um, Coke 600 that he literally thought, he was starting to lose confidence in himself because he was so used to winning that he was so used to winning that when last year happened the way it happened, he was questioning if if he had the confidence in himself. And I think since then he he knows where his confidence stands and where he's comfortable. Bubba, on the other hand, he hasn't won as much as Ryan Blaney has. 
And he's got to take confidence in himself that he's got some decent equipment behind him. He's got a decent team behind him. He's got to trust them and rely on them, but he's got to have belief in himself too. He's, he's got the ability. He's got the equipment. He's got the team. Put the pieces together, dude. Stop freaking making up excuses as to why you can't exactly. do it. Exactly. You can't buy talent, son. Like I said, in the comparison of Blaney and Bubba, Blaney knows and he has the confidence in his team and the equipment he's got. Bubba's got to do the same thing and believe in himself. Blaney Blaney even had confidence when he was with Wood Brothers, for crying out loud. Yeah, you can't buy talent, son. (laughs) And Bubba's got a limited amount of talent. That improves it. Like, you got all that money behind you. You got a top-notch team. But, you know, I wouldn't be off to say I think 23-11 is missing a little something this year. They haven't had the dominating uh, races that we've seen, uh, you know, I guess last year. But there again, I look back on it, and I, and I don't even believe what I say because it really wasn't dominating. Um, I believe uh, – who got it? Kurt Busch, and then he he had a win. And then uh, that was at Kansas City, and then Bubba won at Kansas City. So that was only two wins by the organization. A whole lot of money being put in an organization with, with very little results. And Tyler Reddy was supposed to get the world on fire. And he's only gotten the one win. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This just crossed my mind. How in the world is TRD going to bring a guy? Okay, wait a minute. Now, that was Denny Hamlin. So, remember, Tyler Reddy was not even supposed to be at 23-11 this year. He was supposed to wait until next year. Yeah. And now Denny Hamlin may not even be with Toyota next year. Talk about the tides turning. But I can see where Ford's interest in bringing uh, Tyler Reddick on with them. Ford's never been afraid to go out and uh, move manufacturing support to a driver that's already uh, established himself as a hot shoe. Look, I think Ford had a lot to do with bringing Joey Logano on board. Um, You know, with Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski had a lot of influence with Ford. And somebody, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Tyler Reddick race for Brad Keselowski's truck team that was a Ford team when that was in existence? I, I was, I was just gonna say Tyler Reddick drove for Ford before. Yep, exactly. So we're talking about round robin. All this may be coming together now, um, but uh, yeah, I mean. You know, we're we're gonna try to stay with Chase and Jason, but you know, obviously, as I got to the subject that uh, twenty three eleven is not as because I guess I don't feel like they're as uh, dominant as they, what they were last year. When I went on back on reevaluation, I realized that they were really, really weren't dominant last year, but this year it was supposed to be a lot different because they brought in a high caliber driver. And maybe the writing's on the wall from Denny Hamlin. Look, I'm only going to get second-grade equipment. I've already had to buy my own pit crew. 
because I can't rely on JGR to give me the proper pit crew that I need to win championships. And maybe they're not supplying them with the right cars. This is, uh, you know, the price only went up for Furniture Row Racing the more they won, right? When they were just a, a, a bump jump uh, team in Colorado, they they didn't bother anybody. But the moment that they started competing for championships, all of a sudden the price tag started going up, right? And maybe that's what Denny Hamlin's seeing here as we, as we jump all over the place uh, in this in this open uh, discussion. It just kind of dawned on me there. But so we go into the last subject. Is it AG's fault that Chase Elliott uh, ended his basic Chase hoax the way that it did? I don't think – I think it was a cop-out. I think it was a way to uh, say you were defeated by something other than yourself. Um, I think AG took one, Alan Gustafson. Just one for the team. Anybody that tells you you can switch off your your fuel pump and go to your reserve and still have two and a half laps to go sounded more like a code word than it ever did the the idea that they could go you know two laps, two and a half, three laps almost on reserve tank uh, in their fuel cell. So um, you know, in a, in a way, I kind of feel like this is a cop out. Uh, they needed to displace something that didn't uh, ding the armor of poor old Chase Elliott. Uh, but as the writing's on the wall, Chase Elliott's not even the best driver in his own organization. I've said that for quite a while. William Byron, obviously, has found his nick, and Kyle Larson is who he is. And Chase Elliott now sits in the garage thinking, man, where do I sit? You know, I don't even get to sit at the main lunch table no more. I, I'm sitting over here without the boatman, goofy self. Um, was it AG's fault? Uh, who's on board that uh, Alan Gustafson, a 20-year-long, uh, I guess, you know, Alan's been around a long time, 20-year-long crew chief, but from, you know, he, he's a Stevie Latar, right? This guy started... Uh, at Hendrick as a floor sweeper and is now, you know, a, a long-time crew chief. Uh, was this his mistake or was – come on, God, help me out here. I – honestly, I don't know – I don't know what Hendrick sees in him. And I only say that because I read up and I wish I had kept that stat. Um – but somebody, but I saw somebody post a stat that of all the years um, AG has been with Hendrick, and he's had some talented drivers and Kyle Busch, Mark Martin, Jeff Gordon, before he had Chase Elliott. He's been with this organization for many years, and he only has 36 wins. Yes, he's got the one championship with Chase. But he only has 36 wins with that kind of talent behind him. I don't know if we're seeing if I don't know if he's missing the mark or he's lost the prime or people gave him high hopes and he just didn't deliver on that deal. Uh, I'm a little confused. 
I'm confused how we blame a longtime crew chief that has 36 career wins versus the other guy that he was sharing a shop with that has like 80 plus wins and uh, Chad Canals. How in the heck we could ever blame the crew chief because Chase Elliott has sucked since he come back. This kid, I went mean, out some people doing a doing some people, uh, uh, you know, extracurricular activities, and now he sucked ever since he come back. My thing is. Some people have made the hint of, could we put, like, a Rodney Childers or a Cliff Daniels on top of the box for Chase Elliott and get better results? I don't know if you will. Yeah. I mean, well, I you mean, you know, Greg Ives, but you may not. necessarily the most successful crew chief there either. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely far from a Lance McGrew, so. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't. I feel like it's a scapegoat. I feel like you know maybe there needs to be a change within the organization. Maybe Chase Elliott needs somebody uh, that'll bring a little bit more fire. But you you just can't start blaming the crew chief because your guy is out talented, right? He's being he's being outperformed by the other two drivers in his garage, and could possibly be outperformed by the third driver who. We all forget was leading the points when he went down, right? When he had a concussion and he had to get out of the car, broke his neck or whatever it was that he did. But Alex Bowman, I'm speaking of. So, um, you know, Chase has been behind the ball all year long. He, he He's not been, uh, you know, up to par, so to speak. I just have a hard time sitting here blaming a longtime crew chief for the reasons of that. Like I said, it just felt like this was a scapegoat. Maybe AG was helping – Chase Elliott out uh, because they weren't going to win the race, obviously. They did not have a car. Everybody was speaking all week. Chase is going to win. He's going to be dominant. And then, you know, he he didn't. He wasn't good at qualifying. And then in the race, he runs out of gas. I just kind of feel like it's a cover-up story for how poor uh, Chase Elliott's actually performing right now. And who was his crew chief when he won the championship? A.G., Alan Gustafson. Exactly. So, my thought would be that there's something going on with the driver and his communication with his crew chief. Or is he putting more pressure on himself, being that, yeah, he missed a handful of races, then he had the one race suspension. But that one race suspension be, canceled him out of a out of a, a bid into the championship. He missed that race, and that was a complete loss of points. And that would have possibly had him at the cutoff if Bubba Wallace would be negative five going into this weekend's race. So obviously, your attitude, uh, his attitude. And the way that he raced somebody had implications on his season. Um, you know, and, and there again, they want to blame it on something else instead of it being the true obvious uh, situation to the sponsors that, hey, this guy's not racing in the chase because he got suspended, not because he got hurt, because he got suspended. Right. So you see why I yeah. think that they would try to cover that up. That's not the yeah. storyline they want rolling into. Uh, they exactly. don't. You know, they want the storyline 
They want the storyline that he ran out of gas and the crew chief sucks. That's not the case. The right. image now, of Chase Elliott is being protected right now for the fact that he's missing the chase because he acted a dumbass. No, you're right. AG's a fall guy, definitely. And it sucks because he doesn't deserve that. Taz, I feel anything like you disagree. To, anything to protect the face. Exactly. Exactly. Fall guy. Taz, I feel like you, like you want to argue this. I mean, do I think Chase Elliott has talent behind him? Yes. Do I think he's a top-tier driver at Hendrick? No. Do I think AG? Yes, AG has the championship, but I, I'm i still questioning on the fact, how do you have 36 wins with all that talent you had behind you? Yeah. Especially when you had Kyle well, Busch in his early years. I'm certainly glad that the Alan Gustafson question comes up in a year where Chase Elliott literally misses like seven races in the season and still only misses the chase because of of a suspension that the crew chief had absolutely nothing to do with. But I mean, if we want to if we want to point the finger and we want to make AG the bad guy, then you can, you can say that's the bad guy, you know, because that's what Chase Elliott fans need. They need a bad guy. And I'll be honest with you. Allen's been around the organization long enough. Hell, he's probably more than willing to have a change away from that snot-nosed little prick that they call Chase Elliott. Right. Yeah, I, I never understood why they put Allen with him and didn't keep Greg Ives. You know, Greg Ives was his crew chief at Junior Motorsports, but when Chase went to Hendrick, Greg Ives become. Uh, Dale Jr.'s crew chief in the Cup Series, and uh, Alan Gustafson was the crew chief of the 24 car, uh, which was, you know, Jeff Gordon at the time when Chase Elliott took it over. So, um, you know, the fact that these two have been together for quite a while, you know, it, it, you know, you don't expect a check and now Jimmy Johnson or, you know, it's typical that these guys change it. Look how many crew chiefs Tony Stewart's ever had, right? Other than Scott Zimbadelli, uh, you could probably count about 20 of them, I guess. You know, Scott was his longtime crew chief, but then after that, he never could think right. of it. Uh, from, you know, Chad Johnson to Bono Manian to, uh, uh, um, uh, what was the guy, Darian Grubb, who won him a championship while he was getting fired. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we can point the finger at Alan Gustafson, and that's fine. I, I feel like that's fair. Uh, I don't agree with it, and I feel like this is Chase's issue, and he's looking around, and I'm not surprised if he hasn't walked into Mr. H's office and demanded Kyle Larson be let go immediately just because Kyle Larson continues to make him look bad. Now, will, would uh, Mr. H be willing to part ways with Kyle Larson over William Byron? I, I feel like if he had to choose between the three, he would probably let Larson go, uh, but but William Byron ain't going nowhere, and uh, you're just not going to be able to. Uh, uh, you can continue to be the fan favorite, but you're not going to have the respect from the garage if you're not even the best man on your own team. That's exactly it. You know, Chase Chase's fans are rabbit, but. 
they're not, you know, they don't look at how he races and his results. They're just Chase fans because probably a lot of them were his dad's fans. You know, and they want to see the legacy continue. Right. But, dude, wake up. Yeah. When can we start saying Chase is no Bill Elliott, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I know Chase has a championship, but if you look at the career stats and where Bill Elliott was then, Bill Elliott fell off in his later part of his career, no doubt. He had, uh, um, you know, he had significant injuries, I think, that hindered him. And honestly, I feel like the Elliotts, that's their downfall, right? Uh, some people are not strong when they're weak, right? Uh, Denny Hamlin goes out and busts up his leg and goes and wins the Daytona 500. Brad Keselowski has a wreck at a road course race, breaks his ankle, and goes and wins the championship. Uh, Michael Jordan had the flu and had the best game of his life. Uh, But there's other stories of, you know, people falling flat on their face. And, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, maybe Chase was better served. Uh, laying out the rest of the season and getting some proper healing before he got behind the race car instead of jumping back in. We don't know, but, uh, you know, I feel like we are watching the demise of Chase Elliott's influence at Hendrick Motorsports, and it won't be long before you'll be hearing rumblings of either Chase uh, looking around for possibly another uh, race team to race with or uh at least being outspoken about how unhappy he is at Hendrick based off of the current performance charts. Because he's going to say that I'm better than this, I'm getting the third car and all that whatnot. But we know that's not true. William Byron and Kyle Larson are hands down more talented uh, than Chase Elliott. Final thoughts on that? Chase. All right. Well, let's go. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was, we were fixing to go to the next episode. Yep, go on. All right, so I guess uh, this, that's our X segment, Tad Taylor. Sure thing. <clears throat> um, Ryan Newman clinched the SRX championship after the first heat race because of a a Tony Stewart mistake. Um, it looked like I mean, really, Ryan Newman had a – Ryan Newman did have a decent, sizable lead in points, but had Newman, um, say, finished last in both heat and the main event while Stewart won both heats and the main event like he did Aldora, Stewart would have overtaken Ryan Newman, but – um, Tony, Tony to say, had a crappy break, but Stewart looped it himself, and Newman finished ahead of him in Heat One to basically seal the deal. Um, which is great to see because I honestly think last year Newman should have been the SRX champion, and he was screwed out of it. And that's not anything to take away from Marco Andretti. Um, he. So let me rewind as to why I say that. So last year, I'm not sure which race it was. It was either Five Flags or I think South Boston was the second one. 
it was one of those two races where timing and scoring did not loop Marco Andretti in the right position that he finished or something like that. And SRX gave Marco like a few bonus points to kind of make up for it or something like that. Um, and that basically was the difference maker between him and Newman um, to get the SRX championship. So, like I said, I feel like Newman was robbed because if it was true points, um, Marco and Newman would be co-champions. But if if they had a crown one, Newman would have had the tiebreaker because of his win where Marco did not win. And I feel like Newman this year pretty much solidified he should have had that championship last year. Um, And it comes to show that if you put a guy like Jonathan Davenport in one of those damn race cars, he's going to put it in victory lane. Shoot, Clint Boyer had a damn good run. But um, it was great to see all 12 cars out there. Um, And I'm glad that they actually put on a good, uh, clean show. Uh, In terms of the backup car situation, um, I have no idea. I don't remember... I don't remember anybody saying anything. And in terms of the whole series, the series as a whole, I feel like I feel like they went to pretty good tracks. I don't think I was bored in any race, primarily. Um, if there was one track I could probably be okay with getting away with, it would be Berlin. But other than that, I thought racing was pretty good. There's a couple drivers I'd like to see maybe go full-time that ran part-time schedule this year next be next year but um i just hope that thunder i hope thunder road really delivers um next year and speaking of srx they have their date already announced for next year with espn um so yeah, they're starting in July 11th. It'll be another. It'll be another six weeks of Thursday Night Thunder on ESPN. So everything's set there. Uh, July 11th, six straight weeks, and the season finale is August 15th. And Taz and I have talked about this extensively. Um, I would like to see SRX go back to the format of having a, a local driver for each racetrack, they went really heavy on NASCAR this year. And it was, it was okay. But I really missed that local driver. You know, who can forget Doug Kobe? Oh, good God, no. Oh, you know, my God. The serious. place erupted. I mean, that was, like, the best. So, yeah, 
get, you know, you got to get these. Yes, continue to pull from all different racing series. But keep that one car for a local driver for each track. Give these people a chance to help establish their name for themselves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I made a point in the chat. I think it was last night. Something came up through one of my, or something came through on my YouTube timeline and it showed back in COVID year that they did an, that they took um, late models and turn them into IROC specified cars, like the old, you know, Pontiac Firebirds. And I mean, they even then had a variety of drivers. And if you go back to the old IROC years, they only had like, what, five, maybe six NASCAR people. And here's the funny part of this, right? With SRX needs to, SRX, in my opinion, should adapt to what IROC did, which is basically your Cup Series, Xfinity Series, Truck Series champions should be in there. Your IndyCar champion should be in there. Your, um, IMSA, yeah, Trans Am, USAC, IMSA, ARCA champion should be in there, you know? It's, you've got to have that, you've got to have that in there. Now, in terms of Everett Ham's idea of the, of the superstar ringer car, I'm fine with that one. I, I still want the local, in my opinion, you should go back to the Everham way. You have 10 full-time drivers, mix the variety up. And, yes, they were more NASCAR heavy, and you can kind of say IndyCar heavy in a sense, too. But, but like, go to different areas. Like, grab a dirt guy. Iraq grab Steve Kinzer to run, a, to run an IROC full-time series. They grabbed... Right. Oh, crap. I can't think of his name now, but I know he won an IROC race, and he was a dirt guy, too. Uh, I'm going to shoot myself, as, shoot my foot in this one, if I can uh, shoot myself in the foot when I see his name, because I, I know it's killing me. <laughs> but they had dirt-specified guys to run... IROC, why hasn't SRX adapted that? Like, yeah, they had Kenny Wallace, but Kenny Wallace kind of ran on the asphalt. Has Steve Kinzer ran on asphalt before IROC? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, just, just you've got to come up with that. Like, 10 full-time drivers, because I honestly think you're going to create more storylines, more point battle more point battle situations with those 10 drivers. And then you have the superstar ringer, which could be like a one, which could be at a dirt race, could be a world of outlaw star. Be okay with that. Or a guy like Kevin Harvick wants to race two more, wants to race two races or 
Kyle Busch wants to run a race. You know, that sort of deal. I'm okay with that one. I've just missed the Everham days of how it worked. You always had 16 cars ready to go week in, week out. No, there's no nothing. You had 10 full-time drivers. Well, Actually, Everham's first year, technically you had nine full-time drivers because Kanan didn't really run it full-time. But either way, you had ten full-time drivers. You had a superstar ringer. You had a local ringer so that when you went to your ideal local short track, regardless if it's a small-town short track nobody knew about, or you go to a track like Eldora that everybody knows about, and you have a local guy to root for. Like, you, right. like the first the first SRX race, people, yeah, people went nuts over Tony Stewart. People went nuts over Bill Elliott. People went nuts over uh, Greg Biffle, Bobby Labonte, and Paul Tracy, and Marco Andretti. Like, they went nuts for him. But when it came to Doug Kobe. There was more cheers for him than the superstars themselves. And exactly. that's saying something because because Tony Stewart and Bill Elliott had the loudest roars of all the big names they had. And yep. when Kobe took and when Kobe took the lead in heat number two, and every time he took the lead, if he lost it in the main event, the crowd erupted. And if you weren't a fan of Doug Kobe and you didn't know who he was, when you walked in that track you knew he who he was now. Exactly. Exactly. And that and that's why, you know, and and you and I agree on this. I've been a big proponent of where's the local track driver this year? There wasn't. The only the only one and I guess unless the, you count Jonathan Davenport. Well, yes, and I don't really consider him as a local a local driver. I was kind of look, learning, leaning more towards Johnny Benson. Oh, okay, okay. Davenport's from Georgia, but he did. But he did mention in his inter- interview, though, which I found it kind of funny, was that um, when they when his name was mentioned, like, John the Davenport's your winner, and he goes, and the crowd erupts, and he made a comment saying, um, you can tell this is a dirt late model track because because if it was a dirt late model race and I won, they'd be booing me right now. <laughs> right. That's funny. That's but, funny. But, yeah, I you know, it, we we have, again, discussed this. And this new guy that came in and, and took over Everham's position, something's got to change. Because this isn't what the fans signed up for, in my opinion. I mean, there is... There... There is a part of me that says um, that now 
I believe that guys like Ryan Priest was another local favorite, but he's a but he's a big name now too. So I kind of feel like you got your local flair, but at the same time, do you really? So it, I mean, we got to really, you got to really, we have to really identify the local flair in terms of that sense. Because if you go from Evernham's perspective, essentially his local drivers he selected were basically local drivers, like guys you didn't even know who the frick the hell they were, minus unless you were a track regular there, you knew who they were. Last year, when Don when Don Hawk took over and did the local driver deal, you had Bubba Pollard. Everyone knows what Bubba, Bubba Pollard is. Is that right. really a true local? Is that really a true local guy? In that aspect, and um, they did South Boston, South Boston, Peyton Sellers. Nobody nobody nationally knew who he was, but everyone in that track knew who he was. So that's a true local favorite. And right. And just we have to be careful in how we identify as local track favorites. I think Everham nailed it. Whereas after him, it kind of, the whole thing just faded away. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, and and here's another thought too. What you know? Why doesn't um, SRX look at expanding the tracks that they go to? That's another you know, good point too. Like they haven't. I mean, other than Florida, this part they've gone to is like Virginia, I think. I don't think they've gone any southern outside of Five Flags in Florida. They haven't gone out west as far as like Iowa, I believe. They haven't I mean there's I'm sure there's tracks up in like Washington or Oregon. I know there's California. Right. Well, you know, I I can even um recommended track here in Ohio that, you know, yeah, they, yes, they go to Eldora, which is out in the middle of freaking nowhere in the middle of cornfields, literally. It's like children of the corn country. But there's a track in southern Ohio, Atomic, that is really big. You know, that's somewhere else that they could consider. But, yes, why not expand? Okay, they've only got six weeks. That's fine. But there are so many freaking tracks around this country that they can go to and and bring awareness to, you know, And 
guys like Ken Schrader and Kenny Wallace who travel across the country running UMP Modified, they've been out there. And they're supposed to be the spokesmen of local short track racing. Why right. can't they influence why can't they influence SRX and Tony Stewart to move out that way? Right. Shoot, I'd like to see him run a Devil's Bowl in Texas. I mean, I know that's... You know, and and it's not like um, the considerations that NASCAR has about how large a crowd uh, a track can attract. At least it hasn't been so far, but you know, so like we said, you're supposed to be promoting local tracks. So why are we going to the same tracks that ARCA and USAC and even sometimes the trucks and Xfinity race at? Why aren't we highlighting seriously local tracks? Yeah, I don't, I mean, as Chris has mentioned before, never knew of Stafford if it wasn't for XRX. Never knew of Thunder Road if it wasn't for XRX. I probably would have never known about Motor Mile until SRX, honestly. Um, Stafford, I could say the same thing. I knew about Thunder Road because of the Northeast, there's a Northeast modified tour or whatever um, that runs on Thunder Road. So I knew about that one. Um, Sharon, Sharon Speedway, another Ohio track. Who, whoever heard of Sharon Speedway? Unless you follow dirt racing, probably nobody. Exactly, and that's I the about, one. That's the one that Sharon the Speedway. family owns and runs. Yeah, I mean, there's. You can go to big name tracks, and honestly, I don't want to say this, but at the same time, I feel like I have to. I like the fact that SRX stuck to their roots of going back to Stafford, and part of me says go back there, but at the same time, I kind of don't want to. And that's not to take right. anything away. Of, and that's not to take anything away of anything bad away from Stafford. I think Stafford's had put on some good races. Granted, I was only there the first two years. I wasn't there this year for either one of the races that they had. So I'm not sure what the fan experience was this year. I know um, my first year when it was Everham's project, Everham's baby, it was it was like being, and I've never been to a NASCAR event, but I've I've seen, but I know, um, I know Bree has, and it kind of, and literally when you walked into Stafford, year one of SRX, it literally felt like you were kind of in a smaller scale of a NASCAR event. You had your vendors out, you had your different merchandise booths out, you know. Um, you had a driver autograph session. There was something to do. In year two, there was literally like nothing until the Q&A session. 
And I know they had Q&A sessions this year at Stafford, but I, I don't know what else they had outside of that. Well, I can tell you from experience, um, even at the NASCAR level, the very first Xfinity race that we went to at Mid-Ohio, huge. And it was actually the second race there. We didn't go the first year. We went second year. The midway was packed with vendors and um, sponsors and whatnot. And a couple of years later, nothing. So when you're talking about isolated races in places that most people won't think about going to, NASCAR realizes that and they cut back big time. I mean, that first year that we went, we had literally team haulers with merchandise. When Xfinity left Mid-Ohio, the last year they were there, there was an REI vendor, you know, for the, the headsets, and maybe two or three local merchants selling stuff, and that was it. So I don't know how you build that up. I think that by having unique events, you can draw those vendors in and draw those haulers in because it's not going to be the same year to year. But with a unique event, you you can do that. Oh, definitely, I'm sure. And uh, I just hope that next year they improve on certain things. Um, I Like I said, I think the track they hit this year put on some good races. If there was one, I could literally be okay with them not being on. Next year, it would be Berlin. Other than that, if any, if they go back to two repeat tracks um, next year, I'd be okay with any one of them that they were at this year. They, um, I would like to see the local driver, the local driver no name that nobody has heard nationally um, be involved. Uh, I would like more color variety in these damn cars instead of seeing two, three, four black cars and two or three white cars and red cars <laughs> thrown in there so so that new fans can attract the new fans who are trying to get into the series know who the French is in what car. 
Right. But other than that, I, I think they had it. And and I will give them props for bringing in DW and letting him do the boogity boogity. That was fun. Closing of the show, since we have a few minutes left, it is time for the hot picks. Of course, it is Daytona. It is Daytona. Anything can happen. I know it's essentially a lottery, but there are those drivers that have those special niche of super speedway racing. Um And even in our NASCAR pool, we don't even have a playoff field set either. We have three spots still up for grabs. And I, and it's down to three spots with six people fighting for them. So, um, and of course, everyone else is going to try to jockey for as most points as they can because just because regular season ends doesn't mean everybody else's season's over. The season still continues. We have a consolation prize and a grand prize. So, with that being said, listed for favorites here at Daytona, I have Denny Hamlin. You can't argue that. I know this is the summer Daytona race in comparison to... Uh, how Hamlin is in the Daytona 500. Uh, there's also Ryan Blaney, who's listed as a favorite. Joey Logano is listed as a favorite. Both are winners at Daytona. Then you have guys who are contenders. Um, normal, Two of these three contenders I'm listing off are normally listed as underdogs. But because they have multiple wins at this track, you can't, you can't put them... I don't believe they're considered an underdog at this point for Daytona. So I have Rhinestone Cowboy Austin Dillon, Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Underdogs I've listed Corey LaJoy, Ty Gibbs, and Bubba Wallace. Okay, so how about the wild card of Kevin Harvick? That's a good one. He does have two wins at Daytona. Um, he has 16 top 10s at Daytona as well. So, I mean, it's not a bad pick to go with. Honestly, I could see him as a contender Yeah, in my honest opinion. I, All right. He... Let's go, go with the obvious one. Everybody wants to see the face win. Oh, my God. I'm looking at betting odds, and he's the favorite. And I'm like, why? If you go back, if you look at his track record at Daytona, 15 starts, zero wins, two top fives, four top tens. And his average finish is a twenty-two point zero. Where are we mix? How are we labeling him as a favorite? Come on! I wouldn't even put him as an underdog. I wouldn't even put him on this list. 
How about Kyle Bush? I can see the favorite coming out of him on that one. Or contender. I honestly want to lean on the favorite. He did show... Um, I do remember he did show good speed um, around Speed Weeks, Daytona. Speed Weeks, mm-hmm. he does have a win at Daytona. Um, think he did pretty well in Atlanta too, and that's even a super speedway race as well. So I, I would give him the nod out of uh, of being a favorite here. I'm good with that. How about, um, let's see, how about uh, Brad? That's another one. Uh, that's a, He's up in the air. His stats don't show good finishes, but for some reason, I feel like he's a guy you can't sleep on either. Despite 20 and 28 starts, he has one win, three top five, six top ten for a 23.1 average finish. The guy's been up there in every super speedway race. So if I had to throw him anywhere, I would throw him as a contender. I wouldn't put him as a as a favorite. Okay. A random one. What about Michael McDowell? Ooh. Um, one win, three top fives, eight top tens, 20.6 average finish. He's got a better finish than Chase the Face. Got a better finish than, got better stats than Kyle Larson. Better stats than... Brad Keselowski. And even William Byron, who's won Daytona. So he's got to be at least an underdog. I think we could throw him in there. I don't want to sleep on him either. I was going to ask about Larson, but you just decimated that um a favorite i want to throw in there and i know this can be a shock is i don't know if i would list him as a true favorite I, I mean, with how William Byron's been this year, can we really leave him off the favorite list, though, despite mm. him actually having a win at Daytona? And with the season he's had, I mean, he, the, the guy's won, finally won on a road course. He's finally winning outside the first five races of the year. He's finally out of that <laughs> shadow. We know what shadow we're talking. We know what shadow he's been hiding under. Right. Yeah. No, he definitely deserves to be on there. What about 
Oh, no, wait a minute. Bowman's on there. Never mind. Um, I'm going to throw in one more underdog, and I don't even think he should be an underdog. He would probably fall more in the contender deal. And that's a Penske car. We have two of them. We're forgetting the third. Sin Sindrick. And four Daytona starts, one win, two top fives, two top tens. And he's the only driver with a, who has a average finish of 10. Yeah. He def- <clears throat> Excuse me. He definitely deserves a spot. Um, I think that concludes our list. So we have Hamlin, Blaney, Logano, Kyle Busch, and William Byron as favorite. Contenders, we have Austin Dillon, Bowman, Stenhouse, Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Underdogs, Corey LaJoy, Ty Yibbs, Bubba Wallace, Michael McDowell, Austin Sindrick. Um, obviously, we could see some different names thrown in the hat this week. Who knows? And and it's Daytona. It's a crapshoot. We could see anything. Exactly. Anything can happen. All right. Well, there you have Taz's hot picks. All right, Taz, you want to go ahead and take us on out? Sure will. Um, we want to thank everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us live, get, make sure to catch us on any forms of podcasts such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Freaker, RSSB, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, YouTube, and now on Amazon Music. Speaking of YouTube, our YouTube channel is back to being on the active swing, so make sure you go subscribe to the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel to stay up to date with any, if you've ever missed our shows and want to catch a glimpse, or if you want to listen to our shows and maybe want to catch little sneak peek tidbits here and there, there's clips of our shows on our YouTube channel. Um, of course, we got to thank our sponsors to make the 110 Nation roll. Bears Bullish Market Group, Carolina Sports Plus, TNT Design, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, and Morton Music, Karaoke, and Entertainment. We want to thank everyone for listening along. We'll see you at the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night as the playoffs as we talk about playoffs beginning and also the power rankings. We haven't done that in a few months. Power rankings will be next week. So stay tuned for that. And with that being said, we want to say this has been the race chat live here on blog talk radio. This has been the caution flag of racing radio, Chris Creighton. The DJ Music Man, Craig Moore, making an appearance for the first time in a few months. Great to hear him. Craig Moore, the mama bear of the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed. I'm the Tasmanian Devil of Flaggers. Taz Taylor saying goodnight. We'll see you all next week.
And I just want to remind everybody of our new show. It's a collaboration between the 110 Nation and Race Chat Live. It airs Monday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. It's the 110 Nation Race Chat Live exclusive where we will be interviewing uh, drivers, crew members, uh, race chat or race uh, track promoters, anyone involved in racing, new exclusive interviews. Check that out. Thank you all for listening and have a good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.